It is well, and it is. We have a God who is faithful, and he's always there, and we can know that. Even when we're not very faithful, he is, and we have much to be thankful for. Uh, we started a series just last week on uh, challenge for 2018, just kind of getting our, our hearts and our mindset for where God wants us to go and what he wants us to accomplish and uh, as individuals and how we can grow spiritually. And we talked about, uh, you know, the uh, little guy that shot the arrow into the air. Uh, I, I was told afterwards, I think Judy told me, it's a, a Longfellow poem. And I'd forgotten that. I just memorized it. I have a couple other of those little ones that I shared with Judy, but I don't think she knows where they came from. So uh, Longfellow was a great poet, but he said, I shot an arrow into the air. It fell to earth. I know not where. And uh, if we just go out and we shoot things up in the air, we don't know where they're going to come down. I, I remember a number of years ago, not long after we moved down here, uh, someone in Antioch shot a bullet in the air, and it came down and hit somebody, I think, on the head. And so we have to be careful with what we do. But most of the time when we shoot things into the air, they just hit the dirt. They really don't hit much. And you know, if that's kind of how our life is, if it isn't directed, if it isn't aimed at something, uh, we get back there. That's why guys hit that midlife crisis and they go, what happened to all those years? And where am I? And why haven't I done more? And why haven't I accomplished more? And oftentimes it's because we simply have not set direction for our lives. We, we don't have the plan. We don't have the goals. We don't have anything we're shooting at. And so this year, spiritually, uh, I'm encouraging you to set direction. And I gave you some areas. We talked about the idea of accountability and how important that is. Uh, accountability partners are, are such a, an amazing help. Uh, one of the primary reasons that we don't fulfill New Year's resolutions is because we try and do them on our own. And uh, they aren't that important to us. And so we don't make it much after the 2nd of, July, of January. Uh, it's all over really quick. And yet, as Christians, we need to be setting that direction. And so we talked about the idea of, of beginning that last week with, uh, with an accountability partner. And then this week, I want to go on and just talk about the importance of, of studying the Word making it a, uh, a priority and some of the principles that need to be true of us. Last year, we, uh, we read through the New Testament, or a number did, and I had people that completed that task just uh, give me their names. And I want to recognize them just because I think it's important that uh, we recognize people for what they accomplish. Um, Jade Gardner sent a, a text to the ladies in their Bible study and she completed the marathon down at uh, Disney World. Uh, was that yesterday, Darlene? It was this morning, 5.30. Whoa. So anyway, she, she completed that, and she showed us the pin that she got. And uh, I think that's amazing. You want to recognize that. You want to recognize people for their accomplishments. And I believe that's true for those that set out uh, the beginning of 2017 and read through the New Testament uh, Ralph Bates and Carol Hines both uh, read through the New Testament. David Bevilacqua, David's here. And uh, David, I do have a certificate of completion for you. Uh, you can pick that up a little later. Uh, Jan and Paul Navarro read through the New Testament. Uh, Sandy Hall and Dan Allgood uh, also read through the New Testament this year. And uh, I'm sure there were probably some others that did not write that down and did not let me know that they had read through the New Testament, but... I just want to say congratulations for a job completed. 
a job well done. I, I think it is important when we make it a priority to read the Word of God that we uh, get involved in, in doing that. And so uh, I just want to talk about the importance before we get into communion of, of daily Bible reading, making that a priority for 2018. And you may go through the wisdom books, uh, books of poetry that we're going to go through, reading the Psalms. I started with Psalm 8 this morning. We'll be reading that tomorrow if you're in our readings, on our reading schedule. Um, I think that's great. You may have some different books or some different areas that you're reading in Scripture, and that's good. You don't have to read just what we're laying out here. But I think it's important that we spend regular time in the Word. And, boy, it's easy to let that slip. It's easy... For me to go a day and all of a sudden I say, oh man, I didn't spend my time in the Word. Now, I'll tell you what, as a pastor, I spend time in the Word most every day in, in study for messages and Bible studies, but uh, that's different than personal devotional time. And I, I think no matter who we are, we need to have that personal time with the Lord. Uh, for me, sometimes the study becomes academic rather than uh, spiritually uplifting and so uh, just like you I need to find that time when I can get away and I can read the Bible and and uh, I'm reading along with you in the Psalms and uh, of course read through the New Testament last year and and uh, I, I think that's important but in Psalms 119 105 this was our memory verse for last week we said your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path it gives direction to the way I am to live uh, and if I'm not taking the word in, I don't have that direction. It's just kind of wandering around in the dark. And so we need to be taking it in. Uh, Psalms 119.11. When you get into Psalms 119, you'll see these verses. And we're, this is the memory verse for this week. It says, your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. But I'll tell you what, if you don't treasure it in your heart, you don't have a motivation not to sin. And we find ourselves... Outside of the will of God, we find ourselves living a life that's not in keeping with God's will. And so we need to come back and we need to, boy, take that word and put it into our lives. And so I want to give you five keys essential to understanding the Bible. And then I'm going to give you a pattern for their use. These are not new keys. These are uh, keys that actually a seminary professor, a theological professor taught us years ago. And so I want to give them to you. And the first thing, if you're going to read and understand the Bible, you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You need to have a relationship with God. There are people that study the Bible as a literature book. Uh, it's excellent literature. Man, what is written here is, is amazing. But if you're looking for God to touch your life, and make a change in who you are, the first thing you need to do is you have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't have that, don't expect that God's really going to touch your life. Now, I have to tell you, I, I am not one of those that God speaks to with language that is spoken and I can hear and it comes through my ear gate very often, unless it's somebody else that's preaching or teaching and I listen. But I do believe that when we're reading the Bible and we're in a right relationship with God and the Holy Spirit is in our lives that God motivates us and moves us and directs us and, 
If you're looking to hear God touch your life, it begins here. This is, the Holy Spirit is, is the one who's between us and the Heavenly Father, but the Father most often speaks to us through the Word, and we speak to the Father through prayer. It goes both ways. You've got to have both in your life. And so uh, we study the Word of God. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse 14, though, it, it speaks to the fact that it's only as we have the Holy Spirit in our lives that we truly understand what the Bible says. Now, I'll tell you, when I uh, study the Bible, I know that there is one meaning to a text, is what the author meant for us to get. There aren't a whole lot of different meanings. It's not your interpretation versus mine. But there are principles that come out that may be different for us from the same text. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. In other words, they're foolishness to him. He, he doesn't get it. It, it, it isn't making contact in his heart and his mind. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. If you do not have the Holy Spirit living within you, the Bible's not going to make a lot of sense to you a lot of times. The communication between God is, is short-circuited because we don't have the power source of the Holy Spirit. And so it's an issue that we have to be Christians. We have to have that relationship. That's why a lot of people will look at, at the Bible and they're not Christians and they're, oh, it's foolishness. These, these Christians, they don't know what they're talking about. And yet you go back and you study it and you realize, wow, this makes sense. Nicodemus, uh, many of you know that story from John chapter 3, how he was a teacher he was a leader. He was a Pharisee. He came to Jesus at night. We don't know whether it was so that others wouldn't see him there or simply because um, he was so busy during the day. He didn't have time to come otherwise, but he came to Jesus at night. Nobody else around. And he was asking Jesus who he was. He says, we know you're from God because of the things you do. It's amazing what you do. And Jesus responded in the third verse, and he says, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Now, Nicodemus didn't understand what that meant. He said, does that mean I have to go back into my mother's womb? I'm too big for that. She's too old for that. It isn't going to work out. And Jesus said, no, you need to be born of water and the Spirit. Water, it goes on in that and gives us the context that that's physical birth. The Spirit is spiritual birth. There needs to be that that time when we, in a decision in our own hearts, ask God to come into our lives, forgive us our sins, and be our Savior and our Lord. You know, we realize that there's areas that we just aren't where we should be, and, and, and we want God to come in. And so if we don't have the Holy Spirit in our life, that doesn't happen. We don't see that. Back in Romans chapter 8. Let me just read for you the first few verses of Romans 8. In fact, I'll read down through verse 11. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, we're no longer held accountable for those sins because Jesus paid the price if we're in Christ. We have that relationship with him. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ, Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. 
For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So it's simply saying that Jesus came sacrificially, gave of his life, paid the penalty for sin. He did it so that a requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh, that's death, that's separation from God. But the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace, because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it's not even able to do so. And those who are of the flesh cannot please God. However, however, you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Because he says, you have by faith received Christ, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, through the body, though the body is dead, because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. For if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. So uh, in order for us to understand the Word of God, we have to have that relationship with Jesus Christ. If you haven't done that this morning, you need to. You need to make that decision to follow Jesus Christ. That's what you want to do to begin 2018. The second principle, though, is that you need to have a desire for the Word. And, you know, I've, I've seen people that know Jesus Christ, they love Jesus Christ, but they don't spend time in the Word, and in time they begin to grow cold, And they no longer have a desire to read the word or understand the word or be told what the word has to say. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, Like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. We need to, to grow. We need to mature. We need to become strong. We need to take in the word of God. Uh, with a calf, he starts out a baby drinking milk. And I remember when I was a boy on the farm, uh, we would have cattle. And, and uh, those little calves, they were born. And boy, they loved to just run up to mama and they'd nurse. And when they were hungry, they would go eat. And when they weren't hungry anymore, they'd go off. And uh, then they'd come back again. And then something strange happened. The calf got about half the size of mom. He was grown up. He was getting bigger. He was still hungry, and she said, go eat some grass. He came over, and he wanted to nurse again. She'd kick him. She'd say, get away. No way. Go eat some solid stuff. And you know what? That's kind of what God says. We're not to just continue to be in the, in the basics. We need to grow up. We need to mature. We need to have a desire to take in the word of God. Uh, I remember in southern Oregon, we would go over to the uh, Applegate River. My brother and I, my dad would go once in a while, and we'd take a gold pan. And after a good rainy year and there had been a flood, you could take the, the dirt from the grass right along this, the uh, riverbed, or you'd take the moss and you'd just crumble it up in, in that gold pan, and then you'd take it down and you'd begin to wash it out. And all the light stuff would wash off, and you'd get down to this really black sand. 
and uh, you'd begin to wash the sand out and work it around slowly, and then all of a sudden you'd see that little fleck of gold. It wasn't much, just a little bit, and you go, yeah, that's great. But you know, if you did that for a long time, that's all you'd get is just a little fleck here and a little fleck there. We kept it in a vial at home. This is what we found. Now, people that were a little more serious about it, they, they had created a vacuum, and they would go down, they would come with their scuba gear, and they would dive into the pools. And they'd go down to the bedrock, and they'd begin to sweep everything out of the cracks in the bedrock because, you see, the gold had settled down in there. And they got the bigger chunks. They, they got some nuggets. They, they got something worthwhile. And then one year we were up on a little creek, and somebody had set up a hydraulic system and they were blasting water into the bank and they were pulling the mud out and the silt and the sand and running it through their dredge and they were pulling out the gold that they were getting and they were getting more gold. The picture that I want you to get is sometimes we can look at the Bible and you can just read it briefly on in the morning. You just go over it and phew, there it is. Well, I read the Bible. It's going to make me better. But to really get to understand the Bible, in time you begin to do the cross-references. You may do some word studies. You get in and you study it a little more in depth. You take a topic that you want that God gives you. You study that across the biblical passages. And, and that's more like the person that had that vacuum or they had that, that system where they, they blew the, the gold off of the side of the hill, the hydraulic system. And you know, that's what we want to get to do with the Bible. We want to get to study it more in depth. If all we do is just kind of briefly read over something, we're going to pick up some things. We're going to get some good principles, but nothing that really stays with us. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to have time to interpret Scripture for us. In the book of John, it talks about the fact that he's our spiritual interpreter. John 14, 26. It says, uh, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. He will bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. He's going to give you an understanding for what the Word of God says. So, so number one, we need to be Christians, but number two, we need to have a hunger for the Word of God. You need to have a desire. If it's not there, you stop and say, wow, Lord, what is keeping me from having that relationship with you? Why is it that when I read the Word of God, I never seem to receive anything new or anything better? And, and sometimes we just need to get a little more in depth. There's this third principle. Number one is that we need to be Christians. Number two, we need to have a hunger for the Word. But number three is obedience. Obedience. We need to be obedient to the things that God tells us to do in the Bible. Uh, Psalms 119 Again, it's, it's a great psalm dealing with the Word of God. Uh, psalms 119, verses 98 to 100. It says, Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. You know, it... it, it it started out, we looked at Psalms 1 last week, and it says he would meditate on the word of God continuously. You go back to Joshua 1.8, and it says we are to meditate on the word of God. That means we take it in and 
we study it and we mull it over in our minds, what does it say? Verse 100, I understand more than the aged because I have observed your precepts. 2 Timothy 2.15, we studied it while we were going through 2 Timothy, and it says, show yourself to be approved to God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. It's that I read it, I understand it, I apply it. If there are principles in the word of God, and I simply say, I don't want to apply that, I think pretty soon we probably won't be getting very much out of Scripture. Think about it. If you have an employer and he gives you a job to do, and you go, you start that job, and you get into it, you're about halfway through, and you say, well, this is kind of tedious, and this is boring, and I don't think it's very important. I don't think I'm going to do that anymore. You go back to the employer a little later, and you say, well, do you have another job for me to do? He said, did you do the one I asked you to? Uh, No, I didn't finish it. I didn't think it was that important. Is he going to give you a better job? Chances are he may let you go. God doesn't let us go when we're his. But if we choose to live in disobedience to God, we can't expect that he's going to continue to give direction and guidance and bless. There's that that issue where we say, okay, Lord, what you asked me to do, that's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to be obedient to you. And boy, we see that all through life, the idea of knowing what we're to learn and then applying it. Application is so important. The Great Commission says uh, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe. Now, when we think of that word observe, we tend to think of looking at something. You know, I like to go out in the woods and, and look at trees and animals and birds, and, and uh, I enjoy that. I, I, I love nature. But if I look at it, It's meaningless after I walk away. The word observe in the Bible comes from a word that means to do. It's action. Do I apply it? Do I apply what I'm studying? Do I apply what the word of God says to me? Uh, if, If there's a principle that teaches me about God, do I learn about that? So I need to I need to apply. I need to take principles. If you go back to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. So I, I go back to that passage, and I say, okay, what principles do I find there that are true? Number one, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Well, I'll give you two real quick ones. Number one, God can be trusted in everything. And you can write that down. That's where it is. God can be trusted in everything. You want to know the other one? Lean not on your understanding. It says that my emotions and my feelings and what I think oftentimes are not trustworthy. I'd like to think they are. But we go so often by feelings and emotions and what we think rather than what God teaches us. We start with uh, the basics. What, what are the basics of Christianity? We start with who God is. We, we start with who Jesus Christ is. We start with uh, the salvation message of the fact that Christ went to the cross and he died and he gave his life for us to pay the penalty for our sins. 
Uh, you start with the basics, and then we grow in that relationship. If you don't get the basics down, you're probably never going to add anything later here. Do you know, I, I thought about it as I was going through this. A guy goes to the university. He's working on his Ph.D., his doctorate. He's way up there. Wow, this guy's intelligent. You know where that started? Kindergarten and the first grade. If he didn't get the building blocks for his education, he wouldn't be where he is today. That's the same thing with our Christianity. We've got to get the building blocks down so that we can continue on and we can grow in our faith and we can see God work in our lives and change and transform us. And, and so we need to be obedient. And then this goes along with our study this morning. We need to be disciplined in our study. Uh, we need to make it a priority to be there and study the Word of God. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, in verses 7 and 8, says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks not finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Ask, seek, knock. Do you know those are action words? They take action. Uh, they're not passive. Uh, we were never called to be passive in terms of our walk with God. We are to be active. And, and so it's just that idea of, of having a disciplined life, making it a priority. I, I think that's why it's important to have that accountability partner that helps you. I remember when I was in college, the, uh, the sprinters would go out. I was on the track team, and I'd watch the sprinters and the long-distance runners. And our sprinters, most of them uh, were born with some natural abilities. They were fast. And then they developed that. They worked on it. But the ones that amazed me were the distance runners, the guys that would run the 5K and the 10K, uh, the steeplechase guys. Because, you see, oftentimes they weren't what I would call great athletes. But they were diligent. Uh, some of those guys had been, since their freshman, sophomore year in high school, had been averaging 100 miles a week running. They developed their muscles. They developed their lungs. They developed the capacity to do that. You looked at them and, and watched them in other athletic activities. They weren't necessarily the great athletes but they persevered, and they succeeded, and they went to the nationals. That's the way it is with our spiritual walk. It's that we persevere in the study of the Word of God. We take it in. We, we spend time in it. And then the fifth thing that I want you to get this morning is you need to have a, a teachable spirit. Uh, I, I like to use that acrostic, faithful, available, and teachable uh, when I when I tell people sometimes who I'm looking for for uh, guys that I'm going to spend time with and study with, uh, I'll say I'm looking for guys that are fat, and they get it wrong. It's not about weight; it's about faithful and available. Are they going to be there? Are they teachable? Are they willing to learn? You know, we can learn from anybody. We can learn from our children just watching them. We can learn so much as we watch those little toddlers and just how they live. And, and the, the issue is 
Are we teachable? Are we faithful? Can you be counted on? Are we available when we're needed? Those are important priorities for, for our spiritual growth. If, if we're going to go where God wants us to be and, and, and this challenge this year, I, I think it's so important. You know, the Bible has given us gifted individuals to teach us. There are individuals that have spiritual gifts of teaching and they also have to learn. That's what Paul said in 2 Timothy 2, uh, verse 2. He says, the things that you've heard from me uh, in the presence of other witnesses and trust to faithful men who can teach others. So there's that process that goes on. The Holy Spirit is the one who takes the word and, and uses it and, and changes us. Um, I like the illustration of the fireplace. Darlene keeps watching. Is it a spare of the air day? You know, we've had some days that weren't spare of the air recently. And, and so we've had a fire in the fireplace. And uh, it's, it's been nice. It's cheery. It's warm. But if we took that log and we just put it in the fireplace with no fire to light it up, there's still no heat. That's kind of like the person that doesn't have Jesus Christ, that doesn't have the Holy Spirit to give them any heat. So, so we've got fuel in there, but nothing to ignite it. On the other hand, you may have a person say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh, I love the Lord. Yeah, and, and it's like the Holy Spirit's there. But they seldom take the Bible and really study it and get into it and say, what, is it, what does it say to me? Or get into a small group where they can study it together or take time every day to get into the Word of God. And, and you know what that is? That's, that's that Christian that's got the Holy Spirit, but they don't have any fuel. And their life doesn't change because they never study the Bible. There's a point where we have to come back and we have to have fuel and fire. And... Uh, so that, that comes from opening the Word of God. God gave us this for that purpose, that we might uh, know Him, that we might grow in a relationship to Him. We, it's for believers. It's, it's a manual for our lives. If you go down and, and you've got a car and you get a Chilton manual that tells you how to keep your car running and what to do with it, and it's all there, that's what this is. Some people say it's, it's a love letter. Man, it just tells us how much God cares for us and how much he loves us and the hope that we have in him. And, and we need to study it. We have to have a desire to know the word of God and uh, the importance of obedience that, that we do the things God wants us to do, that we be self-disciplined. Those are things. Let me give you just a plan. And you've got your notes there. I want you to write this down because as you're reading the Bible... It's easy to talk about all these things that need to be true in our lives, but let me give you six things that you may want to do. Some mornings, you're going to get up and you're going to open that psalm and you're going to read it and say, that's, that's the time I have right now. I'm sorry, Father, I've got to get going. And that's going to be it or that's enough. And maybe he encouraged you. But on the other hand, you set an hour aside or a half hour during the morning or the day. And the first thing you do when you sit down, you take your Bible, and you don't open it yet. You pray. Father, I need you to open my heart, to open my mind. Help me to understand what you have for me today. 
I want your Holy Spirit to just enlighten me. I want my eyes to be open and my heart to be open to what you have to teach me. And I would encourage you to get a three by five, or I mean a, a three ring binder or spiral binder. And every day you have that page that is your journal for what you're reading. And you begin with prayer. The second thing you do is just read through it quickly. If it's a small enough passage, just preview it. What's it saying? Get the, get the context. It's too easy when we're just reading one verse at a time not to see the context of what the author was saying. And then we take things out of context. And, and that's not what we're supposed to do. Then we make God say things that God never said. So preview it. Get the context. Then go back and read it. And I think that's when you do your observation. Maybe you write out an outline or you ask questions like, who was it written to and what were they writing about? Those who, which, why, where, when, questions, how questions. Uh, what are some things I learned there about who God is? I learn about his faithfulness. I learn about his, the fact that he knows all things. The fourth thing goes along with that, and, and so you've asked the questions, you've kind of got an idea. Uh, write down those eternal principles. We, we talked about some of those principles in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And, and I would just write down there, you know what? In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. God is faithful. Just write it down. Carry it with you. Realize that no matter what you're going through that day, God's faithful. And he's there with you. Maybe you're going through a situation with your kids. Maybe you're going through a situation with your health. Maybe it has to do with your finances, some other issue. Realize that God says in all your ways to acknowledge him and he's going to make your path straight. He's going to give you the right direction. Also realize that My feelings and emotions may not be right on. Do you know how many people I talk to that say, well, this is what I think, or this is what I feel, or these are how I'm feeling. And the problem is we're not where God wants us to be then. We're where we want to be. And so we need to go back and we need to make those observations. What does it say about God? What does it say about Jesus Christ? What... What is there for me? Those eternal principles and then application. You know, if there's never anything that changes your life, you probably haven't ever learned anything from this. With no application, there's no real learning. And so we go back and we say, okay, what does it say and how do I apply it? How does that relate to my relationship with my spouse? How does it relate to my relationship on the job? What, what does that say about me? What does that say about what I'm like? Application. Write it down and then pray and say, Lord, help me with this. I need your, your support. And then I'm going to give you one last thing. You may not do this every day. But we should at least once a week find something. Tell somebody, what did you learn? You see, we hide it away. We don't tell people what we learn. We talk about how the kids are doing. We talk about the new clothes we just bought. We talk about uh, finances or the job. We talk about 
a lot of kind of surfacey things. But how often do you just sit and say, you know, I was reading the Bible this morning and this is what God laid out for me. We need to tell one another. The Bible says we are to come together to encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Sometimes that encouragement is just, wow, this is what I learned this morning. And it touched my heart. And so when I'm talking about reading the Bible and making that a priority for 2018, certainly if, if all you want to do is read through that psalm and close the Bible, that's fantastic. I'm glad you did it. Because God's going to touch you. He'll work in your heart somewhere along there. Bible's hot stuff. And if you know the Lord, he's going he's to use it to bring a little fire in your life somewhere. But I really encourage you to go a little deeper than that. Begin to, to look at that psalm and study it. Maybe you aren't going to write your application down until the end of the day when you've thought about it and you've worked through it and you come back and say, yeah, this is what I need to be doing. Boy, that came clear about noon when I was in that conversation with that other person and it wasn't going very well. I just need to go back and apply that. So I'm going to encourage you as you've, you've got those sheets of paper that are back there, that you take time to uh, think about the areas where you want to grow and mature and, and apply this year. You get an accountability partner, then you make a commitment. I would encourage you to do that. And read or study the Word of God this year. I have another paper back there I'm going to encourage you to pick up. And it's my wish list or your wish list. And what it is, and I mentioned it earlier, I think, uh, what would you like me to preach on? Give me some ideas. Maybe there are some topics or issues that you're not sure about, and you say, I want to know more about that. Uh, just write it down. Maybe it's a theological issue. Maybe it's a practical issue. Maybe you say, Andy, I just want you to write a paper. We're struggling so much in America today on... What's going on politically? The left versus the right. What does the Bible say on some of those issues, moral issues specifically? What, what did God say? Would you write a paper on that? And uh, let me know. Maybe there's some activities you want to see the church involved in. We met as men yesterday, and, and Ron was sharing a, a lot of different activities that guys can be involved in. And... Uh, it was exciting just to think of the potential of some of them. Some of them are for us to just go out and build relationships with each other. That's fun. You have a bowling league or go golfing regularly or uh, some of those other things. Go, go rafting. Uh, talked to Joe about that last night. And, and having people do that, guys do that together. I think that's great. Some of it was things like going to a assisted living home or a rest home and just sitting and talking to the people that are there and being an encouragement. Uh, studying together. Just lots of opportunities. And you may have some things you'd like to see happen here at Brentwood Bible Fellowship, and I encourage you to get one of those sheets and be sure to put that down so that uh, we can talk about that and be involved in that. We're going to continue on with our communion service right now, and um, let's just bow our heads and, and thank God for his goodness and his love. And then uh, we're going to stand and we're going to sing open.
my eyes, Lord, or our eyes, Lord. And I'm going to have the men that are serving come and take their place at the communion table at that time. Let's pray. Father, you know, we talk a lot about the need to read the Bible. The need to really apply it. And I'm sure there's a lot of people in this congregation right now that probably spend a good deal of time reading the Bible. I'm so thankful for them, Father. I hope this motivates them to want to do a little more. I also think there are some probably that are here that, boy, it's just hard to find that time. Life's busy, and, and, and they start out the morning and say, yeah, I'm going to spend some time reading the Bible and in prayer, and then by the end of the day, they're tired, and it's getting late, and they go to bed, and they think, man, I still didn't do that. I should have done that today, but I didn't do it, and that's where that discipline comes in. And so, Father, I pray for uh, this congregation, as individuals, including myself, that we would truly uh, draw what you want for us from your word, and uh, we would grow in our faith. We would be an encouragement to one another, Father. Help us to know what we need to do to, uh, to be effective at that. So, Father, I thank you. As we come into the communion service, Father, Open our hearts and our minds to receive what you have for us here. Uh, just reflecting on what Jesus Christ did. You know, Christmas was such a, a wonderful reminder of the fact that God left heaven and became man. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, became human, and he lived with us, dwelt among humanity, and went to the cross and died. And so Christmas reminded us of who Jesus was now, as we come to the communion table, it reminds us of what he did. And he did it for us. You put in your word that you demonstrated your love towards us and that while we were still sinners, while we were still unacceptable, Christ died for us. And I just want to thank you, Father. Thank you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.